What I want, peeps, what I want. It's Valerie's Naturals Oracles. And today we're reading section four, which is about grace. Section four, and I think it's part three. Don't quote me though. But we're reading The Road Less Travelled, A New Psychology of Love, Traditional Values and Spiritual Growth. And the title we're starting with today in this section about grace is The Miracle of Serendipity. This is going to be deep. Okay, so while it is perhaps possible for us to conceive of the extraordinary wisdom of the unconscious as discussed thus far as being an ultimately explainable part of a modular brain operating with miraculous technology, we still have no conceivable explanation for the so-called psychic phenomena, which are clearly related to the operation of the unconscious. In a series of sophisticated experiments, Montague Ullman, MD, and Stanley Krippener, PhD, conclusively demonstrated that it is possible for an awake individual to repeatedly and routinely transmit images to another individual sleeping many rooms away and that these images will appear in the dreams of the sleeper let me tell you something this is how um these people and i'm going off topic now but this is how these people keep soul ties with you they you know especially if it's a soul connection and you know if you want to know more about that please come to my patreon channel because i do all things spiritual but anyway there's a footnote here and it says an experimental approach to dream and tele telepathy um number two report of three studies american journal of psychiatry so anyway such transmission does not occur only in the laboratory laboratory for for instance it is not uncommon for two individuals known to each other to independently have the same or incredibly similar dreams how does this happen we don't have the faintest idea but happens it does the validity of such happenings is scientifically proven in terms of their probability I myself have had a dream one night that consisted of a series of seven images. I later learned that a friend, while sleeping in my house two nights previously, had awakened from a dream in which the same seven images occurred in the same sequence. He and I came, could not determine any reason for this happening. We were unable to relate the dreams to any experience we have had, shared or otherwise, nor were we able to interpret the dream in any meaningful way. Yet we knew that something most significant had happened. My mind has available to its millions of images from which to construct a dream. The probability that my chance alone and I would select the same seven as my friend had in the same, had in the same sequence was astronomically low. The event was so implausible that we knew it could not have occurred by accident. The fact that highly implausible events for which no cause can be determined within the framework of a known natural law occur with implausible frequency has come to be known as the principle of serendipity. Sorry, principle of synchronicity. Yes, in the spiritual world, we know of this very well. <laughs> My friend and I don't know the cause or reason why we have such implausibly similar dreams but one aspect of the event was that we had them close in time somehow 
The timing seemed the, seemed the important, perhaps even crucial element in these implausible events. Earlier in the discussion of accident proneness and resistance, it was mentioned that people not infrequently walk unharmed out of the vehicle's crush beyond recognition. And it seems ridiculous to speculate the machinery instinctively crumpled in a configuration to protect the rider of that the rider crumpled instinctively in a form to fit the machinery. There is no known natural law whereby the configuration of the vehicle, event A, caused the rider to survive or the form of the rider, event B, caused the vehicle to crumble in a certain way. Nevertheless, although one did not cause the other, event A and event B implausibly occurred simultaneously, that is, together in time, in such a way that the rider did in fact survive. The principle of synchronicity does not explain why or how this happened. It simply states that such implausible conjunctions of events in time occurred more frequently than would be predicted by chance alone. It does not explain miracles. The principle serves only to make it clear that miracles seem to be matters of timing and matters that are amazingly commonplace. The incident of the similar, almost synchronicitous dreams in one that qualifies my virtue of its substantial of its statistical improbability as a genuine psychic or ph paranormal phenomenon, even though the meaning of the incident is obscure. Probably the meaning of at least the majority of genuine psychic paranormal phenomena is similarly obscure. Nevertheless, another characteristic of psychic phenomena, apart from this statistical implausibility, is that a significant number of such occurrences seem to be for fortunate, in some way beneficial to one or more of the human participants involved. A mature, highly sceptical and respectable scientist in analysis with me just recently recounted the following incident. After our last session, it was such a beautiful day, I decided to drive home by the route around the lake. As you know, the road around the lake had a great many blind curves. I was approaching perhaps the tenth of these curves when the thought suddenly occurred to me at, that a car could be racing around the corner far into my side of the road. Without even more thought than that, I vigorously braked my car and came to a dead stop. No sooner had I done this than a car did indeed come barreling around the curve with its wheels six feet across the yellow line and barely missed me even though I was standing still on my side of the road. Had I not stopped, it was inevitable that we would have collided at the curve. I have no idea what made me decide to stop. I could have stopped at any one of the dozen other curves, but I didn't. I travelled that road many times before, and while I've had the thought that it was dangerous, I never stopped before. It makes me wonder whether there really isn't something to ESP and things like that. I don't have any other explanation. Interesting. It is possible that occurrences statistically improbable to a degree to suggest that uh, examples of synchronicity or the paranormal are as likely to be harmful as they are beneficial. We speak of freak accidents as well as freak non-accidents, even though full of methodologic, methodologic 
pitfalls, research into this issue clearly needs to be done. At this time, I can state only a very firm but unscientific impression that the frequency of such statistically improbable occurrences that are clearly beneficial is far greater than that in which the result seems detrimental. The beneficial results of such occurrences need not be life-saving. Far more often, they are simply life-enhancing or growth-producing. An excellent example of such an occurrence is the Scarab Dream, experienced by Carl Jung, recounted in his article on synchronicity and quoted here in the Tutu. So, here's the quote. My example concerns a young woman patient who, in spite of efforts made on both sides, proved to be psychologically inaccessible. The difficulty lay in the fact that she always knew better about everything. Her excellent education had provided her with a weapon ideally suited to this purpose, namely a highly polished Cartesian rationalism with an impeccably geometrical idea of reality. After several fruitless attempts to sweeten her rationalism with a somewhat more human understanding, I had to confine myself to the hope that something unexpected and irrational would turn up, something which would burst the intellectual resort into which she had sealed herself. Well, I was sitting opposite her one day, when my back to the window, listening to her flow of rhetorics, Rhythmatotics. She had had an impressive dream the night before in which someone had given her a golden scarab, a costly piece of jewellery. While she was still telling me this dream, I heard something behind me gently tap on the window. I turned around and saw that it was a fairly large flying insect that was knocking against the window pane from the outside into the obvious effort to get into the dark room. This seemed to me very strange. I opened the window immediately and caught the insect in the air as it flew in. It was a scarab beetle of common rose shafer cotona atrotana. have no idea, but that must be the Latin word for it. Whose gold green colour most nearly resembles that of a golden scarab. I, held, I handed the beetle to my patient with the words, here is your scarab. The experiment... The experience punctured the desired hole in her rationalism and broke the ice of her intellectual resistance. The treatment could now be continued with satisfactory results. Wow. What we are talking about here is regard to paranormal events with p beneficial consequences is the phenomenon of serendipity. Webster's Dictionary defines serendipity as the gift of finding valuable or agreeable things not sought for. There are several intriguing figures features in this definition. One is the ter the terming of serendipity as a gift, thereby implying that some people possess it while others don't, that some people are lucky and others are not. It is a major thesis of this section that grace, manifested in parts by valuable or agreeable things not sought for, is available to everyone but that while some take advantage of it others do not by letting the beetle in catching it and giving it to his patient john was clearly taking advantage of it some of the reasons why and way and ways 
and ways that people fail to take advantage of grace will be explored later under the subject heading of resistance to grace. But for the moment, let me suggest that one of the reasons we fail to take full advantage of grace is that we are not fully aware of its presence. That is, we don't find valuable things not sought for because we fail to appreciate the value of the gift when it is given to us. In other words, serendipitous events occur to all of us, but frequently we fail to recognize their serendipitous nature. We consider such events quite unremarkable and consequently we fail to take full advantage of them. Five months ago, having two hours to spend between appointments in a certain town, I asked a colleague who lived there if I could spend spend them, if I could spend them in the library of his house working on a re, on the rewriting of the first section of this book. When I got there, I was met by my colleague's wife, a distant and reserved woman, who had never seen to care for me very much and had been actually hostile to me on several occasions in an almost arrogant way. We chatted awkwardly for perhaps five minutes. In the course of our superficial conversation, she said she'd heard I was writing a book and asked about the subject. I told her it concerned spiritual growth and did not elaborate further. I think I then sat down in the library to work. Within half an hour, I had ran, ran into a snag. A portion of what I had written on the subject of responsibility seems completely unsatisfactory to me. It clearly had to be extensively enlarged in order to make meaningful the concepts I've discussed therein. Yet I felt this enlargement would distract from the flow of the work. On the other hand, I was unwilling to delete the section entirely since I felt that some mention of these concepts was necessary. I wrestled with this dilemma for an hour, getting absolutely nowhere becoming more and more frustrated, feeling more and more helpless to resolve the situation. At this point, my colleague's wife quietly came in the library. Her manner was timid and his hesitant, respectful, yet somehow warm and soft, quite unlike that of an encounter I have had with her previously. Scotty, I hope I, I'm not intruding, she said. If I am, tell me. I told her that she wasn't, that I'd, that I'd hit a snag and was not going to be able to make any more progress for the moment in her hand she was carrying a little book i happened to find this book she said somehow i thought you might be interested in it probably you won't be but the thought occurred to me that it might be helpful to you i don't know why feeling irritated and pressured i might ordinarily have told her that i was up to my ears in books which was true and there was no way i could get around to reading it in the foreseeable future but her strange humidity humility invoked a different response i told her i appreciate appreciated her kindness and was and would try to get to it as soon as possible i took it home with me not knowing when as soon as possible might be but that very evening something compelled me to put aside all the other books i was consulting to read hers it was a slim volume entitled How People Change by Alan Wellis. Much of it concerned issues of responsibility. One chapter elegantly expressed in depth what I would have tried to say had I enlarged the difficult section in my own book. The next morning I condensed the section of the book to a small concise paragraph and in a footnote 
referred the reader to the Wellis book for an ideal um, elaboration of the subject. My dilemma was solved. This was not a stupendous event. There was no trumpets to announce it. I might well have ignored it. I could have survived without it. Nevertheless, I was touched by grace. The event was both extraordinary and ordinary. Extraordinary because it was highly unlikely. Ordinary because such highly unlikely beneficial events happen to us all the time. Quietly knocking on the door of our awareness no more dramatically than the beetle gently tapping on the window pane. Similar sorts of events have happened dozens of times in the months since my colleague's wife lent me her book. They had always been happening to me. Some of them I recognise, some of them I may take advantage of, without even, even being aware of these miraculous nature. There is no way I have knowing, there is no way I have of knowing how many I have let slip by spirit come true spirit come true do you know what i'm saying that on i've never recording but i am a spiritual person and i my third eye has been opened and i'm telling you i see miracles little tiny miracles every single day do you know and they are there if you care to see them so what he's saying to me resonates so much so i'm gonna leave it there people or should i carry on one more one more small chapter. I'm going to do one more small, sorry. One more small chapter and then we'll leave it there. So the definition of grace. Okay. So thus far in this section, I've described a whole variety of phenomena that has the following characteristics in common. They serve to nurture, support, protect and enhance human life and spiritual growth. B, the mechanism of their action is either incompletely understandable as in the case of the physical of resistance and dreams or totally obscure as in the case of the paranormal phenomena according to the principles of natural law as interpreted by current scientific thinking c their occurrence is frequent routine commonplace and essentially universal among humanity d Although potentially influenced by human consciousness, their origin is outside of the conscious and will and beyond and sorry, outside of the conscious will and beyond the process of conscious decision making. Although generally regarded as separate, I have come to the belief to believe that commonality indicates that these phenomena are part of or manifestations of a single phenomenon. A powerful force originating outside of the human consciousness, which nurtures the spiritual growth of human beings. For hundreds, even thousands of years before the scientific conceptualization of such things as immune goblins, dream states and the unconscious, this force has been consistently recognized by the religious who've applied it to the name of grace and have sung its praise amazing amazing grace how sweet the sound what are we to do we who are properly skeptical and scientific minded with this powerful force originating outside of the human consciousness which nurtures the spiritual growth of human beings we cannot touch this force. We have no decent way to measure it, yet it exists. It is real. 
are we to operate with tunnel vision and ignore it because it does not fit in easily with traditional scientific concepts of natural law? To do so seems perilous. I do not think we can help to approach a full understanding of the cosmos or the place of man within the cosmos and hence the nature of mankind itself without incorporating the phenomenon of grace into our conceptual framework. Yet, we cannot even locate this force. We have said only what it is not, residing in human consciousness. Then, where does it reside? Some of the phenomena we have discussed, such as dreams, suggest that grace resides in the unconscious mind of the individual. Other phenomena, such as serendipity and synchronicity, indicate this force to exist beyond the boundaries of the single individual. It is not simply because we are scientists that we have difficulty locating grace. The religious who, of course, ascribe the origins of grace to God, believing it is literally God's love, has through the ages had the same difficulty locating God. There are, within theology, Two lengthy in opposing traditions in this regard, the one of the doctrine of eminence, which holds that grace emanates down from an external God to man. The other, the doctrine of the in eminence, which holds that grace emanates out from the God within the centre of man's being. I believe it's in without, within. This I believe in the latter. But anyway, this problem... And for that matter, the whole problem of paradox results from our desire in the first place to locate things. Human beings have a profound tendency to conceptualise in terms of discrete entities. We perceive the world composed of such entities, ships, shoes and sealing wax and other categories. And we then tend to understand the phenomenon by placing it in a particular category, saying it is such and such an entity. It is either this or that, but it cannot be both. Ships are ships, not shoes. I and I and you are you. The I entity is my identity and the you entity is your identity. And we tend to be quite dis discomfited if our identities become mixed up or confused. As we have been previously noticed, Hindu and Buddhist thinkers believe our perception of discrete entities to be an illusion or Maya and modern um, phys physicists concerned with relativity, wave pattern phenomena, ex electromagnetism or etc etc are becoming increasingly aware of the limitations of our conceptual approach in terms of entities. But it is hard to escape from. Our tendency to entity thinking compels us to want to locate things, even such things as God or grace, and even when we know our tendency is, is interfering with our comprehension of these matters. I attempt not to think of the individual as a true entity as, at all, and insofar as my intellectual in limitations compel me to think, all right, in terms of entities, I conceive of the boundaries of the individual as being marked by a most permeable membrane, a fence, if you will, instead of a wall, a fence through which, under which and over which other entities may climb, crawl or flow. Just as our conscious mind is continuously 
partially permeable to our unconsciousness, so is our unconscious permeable to the mind within the mind. That permeates us yet is not us as entities. Most elegantly and adequately descriptive of the situation than the 20th century scientist language of permeable membranes is the 14th century 1393 religious language of Dane Julian, an anchoress of Norwich, describing the relationship between grace and the individual entity. For as the body is clad in the cloth, and the flesh in the skin, and the bones in the flesh, and the heart in the whole, so are we, soul and body, clad in the God goodness of God enclosed. Yea, yea, and more holy, for all that these may, may wear and waste away. But the goodness of God is ever whole. So there's an asterisk here, and it's the revelations of divine love. Grace Warwick. That's interesting. In any case... Regardless of how we ascribe them or where we locate them, the miracles described indicate that our growth as human beings is being assisted by a force other than our conscious will. Amen. To further understand the nature of this force, I believe we can benefit from considering yet another miracle, another miracle, the growth process of all life itself to which we have given the name evolution. And us Buddhists say human evolution. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Until next time. Take care. <laughs>